You're listening to Extra Innings with entrepreneur, author, and CEO, Jay Myers. Welcome to Extra Innings. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and Extra Innings is a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and business leaders all across the country. And today I am particularly thrilled to have as our guest, Spence Wilson, who is the chairman of Kimmins Wilson Companies. Uh, Spence, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. And uh, one correction, I'm no longer chairman. I stepped down uh, in uh, January of the Kimmins Wilson Companies. I'm I'm still chairman of our family business that uh, we call Holiday Inn Club Vacations Incorporated. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Thank you for that uh, uh, correction and uh, clarification. Spence, uh, one of the things that, you know, we do in these interviews and everything is certainly to get uh, the audience to know uh, our guests and everything. How about giving us a little background about yourself, of course, and anything you want to share relative to your whole, I think it's kind of almost a family story, isn't it? And the background of Kimmins Wilson Company and, and where it all began and and all those kind of things, because you guys have been a staple of leadership here in Memphis and nationwide for a long time. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'll kind of break it out in a couple of parts. Uh, so one of your uh, notes suggested I give you my uh, story and background, which I'll do, and then I'll move into uh, uh, one of the more specific things about um, uh, staple of leadership and my goal uh, relative to all that, kind of bifurcate my answers there. So um, uh, <clears throat> uh, dad was an only child. He um, and his uh, mother uh, moved to, uh, uh, well, they moved back to Memphis when he was nine months old after his father died at uh, the age of uh, 26 from a, what we think may have been Lou Gehrig's disease, we don't know. And they moved back to Memphis uh, and she raised him in a boarding house with her mother over right near Sears Crosstown, believe it or not, so right in that area. And then uh, for the rest of his life, uh, he lived in two or three different places with his mother in Memphis. He went to Central High School. Um, he uh, became a, uh, well, uh, he, he had 17 jobs uh, <laughs> or businesses before he went off to the war in 1944 to go fly DC-3s uh, or C-47s to um, over in the China-Burma-India uh, theater, supplying the Japanese on the Western side of China to uh, contain the Japanese who were, uh, uh, he, they kind of held down about 2 million Japanese soldiers in Burma who otherwise would be, you know, attacking us everywhere else in the uh, Southeast Asia there. In any event, uh, so he had all those jobs and came back to Memphis and uh, he got into the home building business. Um, and that's what he did uh, at the time he found uh, founded uh, Holiday Inns in 1952. So uh, we lived on uh, Galloway Drive, right uh, across from the 16th hole of Galloway Golf Course that developed my interest in uh, golf. Because of that, you could go over after six o'clock at night and play until dark. And so that's <laughs> what I did. Never got very good at it, uh, but it was an enjoyable thing to do. And we actually lived in two houses on that street. Uh, the first one, 
He um, was just to the west of the ranch style house that we moved into in 1948. And he built that house on the wrong lot, uh, which is the second time in his life he built houses on the wrong lot. But he got that straightened out. And so I lived there all my growing up years with my siblings. And uh, until I, uh, well, actually until uh, mother's death in uh, 1984 and until he said he wanted to move from that house to a condominium complex over by the Memphis Country Club that he built, Country Club Towers. And we ended up selling that house somewhere 2000, 2001 or 2002. In any event, so that's where I grew up. I went to East High School. It was only half a mile away. It seemed like a much longer walk <laughs> than I remembered. And uh, so I was there from the first grade through the 12th grade. There were 37 of us who uh, were there when the school opened in 1948, the first grade. And so we were the first full 12-year graduating class. So East High School uh, graduated, uh, went to Vanderbilt University, studied economics and business. Uh, Vietnam was, uh, was uh, going on. One of my fraternity brothers had told me about um, uh, getting accepted to uh, an Air National Guard program uh, where they would send you to flight school. So I applied for that at the Memphis Airport, the 155th uh, Military LF Squadron, and um, was accepted. And in the uh, fall of 64, I graduated in the spring of 64. In the fall of 64, I went out to Lubbock Air Force Base and uh, went through uh, 13 months of uh, flight school. Flying uh, at that time, you only flew uh, jets in flight school, uh, and they finally, and the the fastest jet we did, the second part of the program, uh, was uh, supersonic. So it was, uh, it was a pretty nice uh, gig. And so I get my pilot's wings, instrument ratings. And I come back to Memphis. I have a uh, a total six-year commitment. Um, and I end up staying in the guard, flying heavy transports for uh, 20 years uh, wow. as, as a part-time soldier. So each week I'd go out, you know, we'd go fly uh, training missions and things like that. I flew three different airplanes, a couple of missions to um, uh, Vietnam, and then lots of missions to Central America, all over Europe, things like that. Wow. While I was still working a full time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Married my uh, girl I'd met, Vanderbilt. Uh, track her down in New York City. She was a Pan Am stewardess. <laughs> and uh, we dated uh, throughout my graduate school years in uh, Boston and um, uh, married in uh, June of 68. Um, and I, we came back to Memphis and uh, I ended up going into business with uh, two brothers who were out of school and they were working with dad in what was then the Kimmons Wilson Incorporated company that dad had formed back in the uh, mid forties. Uh, and it was a conglomeration of partnerships he had with uh, people who were doing construction projects, uh, building office buildings and managing those in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I ended up, you know, taking on the role of um, uh, looking after those uh, assets. We had managers up there. We had, you know, 
but were pretty good sized buildings. So we had lots of occupancies we had to uh, try to keep filled up there, all generally in urban renewal areas as well. Um, so I did that for um, uh, uh, six, eight months or something like that, maybe. And then uh, Wallace Johnson, dad's partner in Holiday Inns, uh, had a really fine assistant uh, that helped him a lot, Jack Rice. Um, and he felt that dad could really use someone like me to help him at Holiday Inns because dad was never extremely well organized. He jumped from this to that. <laughs> and he'd gone through a couple of uh, really smart young guys who uh, they just didn't work out. And, and I knew them both. And I'm, I don't know why he didn't, but he just didn't know how to use them. So Mr. Johnson thought maybe dad and I could do it. I had my reservations about that because we have different philosophies. I had you know, some business school training and dad was, uh, was, was different about that. And, uh, but I gave it a go. So I did it for a year and I'm the only uh, family member that ever works for Holiday Inns. Wow. So okay. just one year. So everybody else has been in the family business uh, uh, which at that time was owned by dad, my, uh, the three brothers, and my two sisters, uh, who played no active business role, but they were part owners. So uh, that's, uh, and then from, from that point on, uh, uh, my brothers and I, you know, uh, we were really just kind of looking after dad's assets from the councils and companies and trying to, um, figure out how we could make enough money to, to pay our salaries. So we, uh, we got busy and we built uh, a number of holiday inns as franchise owners with uh, some partners and did uh, very, very well on those. And then uh, actually I should tell you before um, I went off to business school, I, I went into business with Pitt Hyde, uh, oh. Hyde and Hyde. Um, and we uh, and another guy who had these uh, big dumpsters that, that uh, he would lease to uh, companies uh, to put out and collect uh, trash fees for removal fees. So we uh, went into partnership with him. Uh, we were actually cutting into Harry Phillips' business at that time, which was called Patterson uh, uh, Services. And then um, Harry approached us and said, I'd like to buy you. We don't need to be competing with each other. So we we actually sold our business to Harry. We bought Gaiden out. He didn't uh, think he needed Gaiden in the business. And we um, and so we did that for a couple of years. I was actually in graduate school when some of that was going on. So I had Bob, my brother, kind of look after my ownership. I gave him a little piece of it for a ridiculously low price. And then Harry uh, successfully uh, negotiated the sale of his company to Browning Ferris Industries, the big trash removal company down in uh, Houston. And uh, we got a whopping amount of their stock, which went on to do enormously well. And, wow. uh, and Harry became the CEO of that company, as a matter of fact. So it was a, it was a great run for an early uh, you know, period in my life. So by 68, 69, I had a Pretty nice nest egg and running for a uh, stock and pay dividends and you know wow. sell some from time to time and or use it to leverage uh, other properties and things like that. So that after that, 
when I came back to Memphis, uh, I started with uh, two other guys, the little uh, uh, um, venture capital fund. Uh, we call ourselves New South Capital. And um, a guy named Richard Wilson was a uh, uh, year behind me at grad school. We got to know each, uh, each other well. He was not uh, a relationship. And uh, we hired him to run that business. We made three investments. Um, and we raised money from people like Harry and other people you would know in Memphis. Um, and we, we uh, bought a company that uh, had a water filtration business, H2OK. And it was a little small container that uh, a lot of diplomats and foreign service people uh, we sold to because uh, they could they had trouble getting good water anywhere. And uh, this was a filtration system that didn't, didn't make the water taste bad, but yet it was safe to drink. But we broke even on that. So mm. uh, got our money back. That's about all. <laughs> and then we uh, made another bad investment in a, a winery over in Northwest Arkansas named uh, Wiedeker Wineries. Oh. They were really known for their sweet wines. And uh, they have since improved their product offerings. But back when we uh, were owners that were sweet wines, we lost money on that investment. But the best thing we did was that we uh, put some of the money into Federal Express uh, mm. back in 70, 71. Wow. Uh, you know, they're losing $20 million a year. We're just one of the... Uh, private investments there. We're tagging along on whatever the offerings were. And I never will forget, we had a uh, really important session one night. Uh, we were we were going to get crammed down for our, I think at the time it was about a $400,000 investment. And we would just get a bond. So that's all we were going to do. So we had to make the, we had to make the capital call. And it, I don't remember what it was. It was a pretty good size of money. And we met the capital call and we made every bit of our money on that capital call. So, wow. so when, uh, so here I am in, you know, the mid, uh, mid to latter part of seventies, married with a couple of children. And I've got a heck of a nest egg in BFI and I have to put a nest egg in, uh, in Federal Express. So it's kind of, kind of lucky you might say. <laughs> uh, so uh, so that that's kind of my story up until uh, being back in the family business with my brothers. Dad was um, um, he was chairman of it, but he uh, he always we're talking about mid seventies now, the early seventies, late sixties, and he's spending all his time on all the end. So it's a huge business and growing. You know, it's on the cover of Time magazine in 1972, um, and so he, he spent very little time in the family business, so Bob and I, you know, were doing whatever we could do to look after his assets and try to scramble around and find things that we could help make money for ourselves as well. Um, and then uh, the oil crisis uh, hits in uh, 73, 74. Um, Dad and Mr. Johnson had they always were entrepreneurs on the side with, um, uh, with their business activities. 
and they had leveraged themselves to the hilt in a couple of uh, business projects, mainly building projects. And uh, the holiday in stock uh, fell from 55 to, I think it was $4. Whoa. We, all we were doing was getting capital calls from all the banks, trying to figure out how we could, uh, could survive. And so from 74 through 79, I was focused on keeping our Kenneth Wilson Inc. business uh, uh, investments alive. And Mr. Johnson and his young associate, Jack Rice, that's where we became very close friends. Um, he was focused on doing the same thing because Mr. Johnson was a, was a big subdivision developer and he loved to buy raw land, but was not income producing. Um, mm. At least dad had some income producing assets, some of his office buildings, and that gave us a little bit of, a, of an advantage. Uh, now the good news is uh, dad never worried about that. He, <laughs> he, would, he would sleep <laughs> like a baby. He knew there were stresses, but he says, well, uh, we'll figure it out somehow. Um, and we did. Uh, a couple of banks, uh, well, particularly Union Planners Bank, was uh, Bill Matthews was a um, huge believer in us, and he gave us the time to uh, work our transactions out. And so we, we survived that. So dad has a heart attack in uh, 19, late 68. And then in uh, 19, uh, spring of 1979, he has uh, open heart surgery, bypass surgery. Mm. Um, he's, uh, he's brought some new uh, folks into the Holiday Inn business out of Cincinnati. Uh, that's where Roy Weingarten, if you've heard that name, Yep. Came from. He and a guy named John Q. Hammonds uh, owned about uh, 40 Holiday Inns. Uh, and I worked on the transaction in 1969. That's the biggest thing I worked on uh, to, for Holiday Inns to buy their company, all those hotels, and return for Holiday Inn stock. Well, that stock was, you know, not doing very well back then. And so they, kept pestering dad about, you know, what can we do to help? Because you know, frankly, and dad would agree, he was not a marketer. I mean, he could, he could find land with the best. He knew how to build the places, get them going, um, um, and not, not to operate him. He associated good people around him. So um, he brought Mike in, excuse me, uh, Roy in. Uh, Roy brought his uh, sidekick lawyer, uh, Mike Rose who's you know, had ah. a very big presence here in Memphis that went on to have a pretty storied career at Holiday Inns as well. And so that's how those two guys uh, got to Memphis. Uh, but they also had very different ideas about what Holiday Inns ought to be doing. So there was a, uh, a board meeting and uh, the company, Deb was still chairman, but he's in the hospital. Uh, and they had proposed to by Perkins Restaurants. So oh, wow. But way back then, it was a dicey roll of the, uh, you know, a dicey investment. And dad thought it was the absolute wrong thing to do. So he was on the phone in the uh, room, in the hospital room, uh, holding his board and telling them he didn't think it was a good deal. Well, they went ahead and voted against it. Uh, and bought Perkins. 
And he said, when I can't control my board, then I need to leave. So he retired. Because uh, of the Perkins, the conflict, conflicting yeah. viewpoint of Perkins. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. He said, I can't control my board. They weren't listening to me. And uh, so uh, he, uh, by June of that same year of 79, he, he left the company. He was gone. So thought he was going to smell the roses. That's not for him. And he heads down to uh, a subdivision uh, and home building company we have in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, Ridgewood Home Sites, and he meets with our uh, associate who leads it there, and the associate introduces him to uh, timeshare, resort timeshare, up on Captiva Island, a place called South Seas Plantation. Dad's never heard of timeshare, he certainly didn't know how it worked, <laughs> so our associate tells him, he, so Dad says, well, what is this? He said, well, I paid $5,000. I get the uh, I get a deed uh, for uh, I pay ten thousand dollars. Get two deeds, one for one unit, one for another, and then I pay a maintenance fee for engineering, maintenance, housekeeping, a reserve for replacements to keep them looking nice. Right. And, uh, and I share this with uh, fifty other people. Well, Dad does the quick math and says, "Oh my gosh." You know, $5,000 times 51 or 52. He turns to Billy and says, my goodness, we could build these things for $30,000. You know that. He said, yeah, I know, but it's more to it. Ned didn't listen to him. And he <laughs> left that trip and went to Orlando next to Walt Disney World because he knew you needed tour flow to, to sell your products and knew it, at least about that. And uh, he started looking for land. He finally found the track that he wanted in 1981. And we were in the time sharing business, selling our first, making our first sale in February of 1982, not knowing anything about this. Business. Now, Spence, at that point in time, just so for my, the audience's uh, clarification, no. No. timeshares were not very, they didn't have a great reputation. So not. your father, Kimmons Wilson, the founder of Holiday Inns, who's a well-respected, you know, big entity, yeah. all around the world kind of thing. And he comes in and puts his... Temperature uh, on it, you might say. Yeah. And then all... Okay. So at that point in time, again, the, the timeshares were not something no, everybody no, thought were, very well. They were generally converted uh, failed condominiums. Uh-huh. Uh, nobody really had much in the way of amenities uh, to offer to the uh, owners and the guests uh, who came to them. And he said, no, we're going to purpose built this and I'm going to have 27 holes of golf when we open up a huge clubhouse, interior clubhouse. And um, people are going to know this is for real. So we built uh, 36 uh, two bedroom, two bath units, all single story. Uh, and we kept adding land and getting entitlements for more. And as of today, in that one single site, we've got 2,440 villas. Wow. Some, some of which are in eight-story buildings, uh, four bedrooms, uh, four baths, some three bedrooms, three baths, a lot of two bedrooms, two baths, and a couple of uh, uh, smaller. At Orange Lake. At Orange Lake alone. Alone, so we, 2,400. That is amazing. I have, uh, 
for all the listeners out there, just uh, for whatever it's worth, I've stayed there uh, several years ago, and what a fantastic uh, complex. Um, but boy, you really developed that, huh? And just uh, yeah, but that's all we the did. Vision. We were just right there. So it was the largest uh, single site timeshare in the world. Wow. We, we ran that for about 25 years. We did it on the basis of uh, we sold one week uh, and, and, and a unit designation went with that week, as well as a time of the year and a week of the year. And you had a maintenance fee that paid that. So if you didn't want to show up, you know, we couldn't do anything with it. If you wanted us to rent it for you, we'd be happy to do it. But, uh, but that's all we did. Fixed week, fixed time is the best way I can describe it. We realized that would be uh, somewhere, you know, that would be somewhere around uh, uh, 2002 or three. We did, that's all we did. Okay, and very successful. But our competitors were uh, starting to develop the idea of a timeshare club, which you overlay your ownership uh, uh, regime and uh, use uh, a trading currency called points to create more flexibility for those who own their week. And you could offer them membership in your club. And it was a very compelling offer for, but not everybody wants it. Some people, believe me, we still got 100,000 owners who have their fixed week. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want the club. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, in any event, so we, uh, we uh, initiated our club in uh, 2005. We then bought our first uh, timeshare resort outside of Orlando. Um, up in uh, uh, north of Chicago, near Lake Geneva. Hmm. And then from then on, we've been on a roll and we've added um, uh, another 26 uh, timeshare resorts. We have a total of 28 uh, timeshare resorts in our, uh, in our business now. And, wow. and we sell fixed week. Uh, actually, I, I don't think we sell fixed week and some of these others were mainly just selling the club. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, it's a really good value proposition, at least I think. That's, uh, it's so, so that's, interesting. That's been the evolution of that business. We're still owned by um, uh, over uh, estate planning uh, over time. Uh, we're still owned by my two sisters and Bob and myself. And we have passed on some of our ownership to our next generation. So we've got other family members who own it. Uh, but the, uh, we have a couple of family members who are on the board of it. And then we, uh, uh, in 2019, we sold a little uh, less than 30% of our ownership to a private equity uh, fund um, you know, named KSL out of Denver. And we had a nice realization as a family for say, something less than a third of the value of the company at that time. And, uh, and so we're, that's where we are out today. So there are partners they're on the board. We are looking at all kinds of uh, new things to do. Uh, there's been a tremendous amount of consolidation in the industry. Um, and then uh, during that period of time, because tour flow is so critical, uh, getting access to 
people to come and sell your product to. We formed a um, relationship with uh, Continental Hotels Group, who owns the Holly and brand. And we, uh, uh, we created an exclusive license and marketing agreement with them. It was a, for a 15-year period with two 15-year options. Well, it started going so well, um, we convinced them that we needed a longer period of time. We now have a 100, up to 100-year license agreement to be the exclusive wow. operator of their timeshare brand. We own the assets. We operate the assets. The family does. And we even changed the name of our company to Holly Inn Club Vacations Incorporated. Wow. That's how we are today, uh, doing business as, as that. That's a shorthand version of that metamorphosis from well, 1982 it, to today, uh, you know, 40 some odd years. It's just, gosh, thank you for that, Spence. It's just such a fascinating story. You know, your father, of course, a lot of the listeners might know, you know, Kimmins Wilson basically created the motel industry or whatever with Holiday Inns and yeah. the famous trip and everything that he took and then built it up. But the vision to be able to see the future is, I think, really so interesting to me and the, I'm sure to the listeners. And then it extends into the timeshare business, which hint, before that was not, like we just said a couple of times, not a great reputation, but you guys you know, built it up with your dad and then with your family. The other thing I think is so interesting about this, and I just have to say this, having known you for a few years and the whole thing, and for the audience's purposes, I met Spence's father, Kimmins Wilson, when I first started my technology business, and he's tired of hearing the story uh, that I've told a million times, but his father, uh, Kimmins Wilson, was such a motivator for me. When I first started my business, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was scared to death, but he came in and uh, we had a little demonstration of video conferencing technology and his words of encouragement when he left my office is something I never forgot. He said, you hang in there. You're going to make some money with this business. Well, as I've told the story, I'm a good old Catholic and I thought the Pope had just blessed me. I mean, here's a man that built a business, built an industry and yeah. a guy, a man that not just that, but he had the vision. And I'm sitting there thinking your dad probably at that point, uh, Spence was about 80 something years old, but he could see the future. And I think that's always something that'll be a, a special place in my heart for the audience out there and the listeners. <clears throat> Excuse me. I still have an award that was presented to me from the, the Wilson family uh, in his honor. And also I have a picture that I took with him. So it's, it's always been a motivator. The, the thing that I'm also intrigued with, though, Spence, and talking to you this morning and everything, and, and I love this discussion, is I, I listen. Your father didn't have a lot of formal education training. And here you are with, oh, those degrees from Vanderbilt and Harvard, and then you've got your family, you and your family working together to support your father's assets and investments yeah. and then pushing forward timeshare. I am really intrigued with the ability for a family to work together because you and I both know that not everybody can yeah. pull that off. You right. talked about your brother, Bob, and I know y'all are into other businesses, insurance, aviation, all these. I think you're into restaurant business. How does it, I'm intrigued, and this is not maybe not one of the questions we threw at you uh, in preparation for this. I'm intrigued. How does a family work together so well? And maybe a two-part question, you and your brothers, that's one generation of it. And then when I was doing research on this interview, You've got a whole young group of people that are running your businesses. You're, 
uh, your sons and, and then you got grandkids and, uh, your, or your dad's grandkids and all. How does that all work? How, how, do, you, how do you make that work? Family well, running it, the business. It's kind of well, it's a couple of things, uh, Jay. <clears throat> uh, when, uh, when dad was over running Holiday Inns, uh, Bob and I and Kim were running the Kimmons Wilson Incorporated Company. So we, we formed our working relationship among ourselves. Okay. He didn't, he didn't interfere. He didn't ask a lot of questions. We'd report to him, but he was busy on holiday ends. Now, it all changed <laughs> when he retired. <laughs> and we kind of got back into the mode where, well, tell me what you're doing. Tell me why you're doing it this way. And so then there were some, uh, some issues at that point in time. And it also came up that uh, our sisters who were part owners in the business, uh, Bob and I uh, and Kim were not getting a big salaries or anything like that, but they weren't getting any returns. Any money we had, we were putting back into new businesses or supporting existing businesses. And so we ended up um, um, redeeming them out of the business in uh, 1996. And, uh, and of course, Orange Lake now is uh, 14 years old. It's uh, a real successful run. And, um, and so the girls stayed, kept their ownership in the Orange Lake business. That's always been a separate ownership arrangement. But we redeemed them out of the Kimmons Wilson Incorporated business. And then I created a management contract between Orange Lake and the Kimmel's Wilson Inc. business, which we never had before. We were just running it there and whatever monies we'd had, they would be redeployed into the Kimmel's Wilson Inc. business. But we did that and that has been a, uh, a significant uh, arrangement for the Kimmel's Wilson, now Kimmel's Wilson companies to have that management contract on a huge business that Orange Lake has grown to. So that, that has worked well. Um, and the good news is the company for a long time was, uh, it was sort of a guns and butter, if you know that description. <laughs> we would make money. We would always put capital back into the business, but we didn't need a lot of capital because we weren't buying things. We were out there just adding on new products on the single site location. And uh, so we, made, we were able to make enormous distributions to, uh, all the shareholders, wow. which, which uh, in, uh, in uh, hindsight has been a very, very uh, positive thing. Well, we, we don't do that now because we had to convert to a C corporation. We were a subjector S back then. So the taxes uh, were always paid at the shareholder level. Right. But right. it was, uh, believe me, there was a whole lot left over after that. Uh, but now with the C corp, we don't pay dividends or anything like that. So. We're, we're kind of feeling our way uh, around, but we got, we got a nice uh, payment when we sold a piece of the company. And so I call it like, well, you got five years of, uh, of um, distributions <laughs> in advance, so to speak. We'll have to figure out what happens after that. It sounds like y'all as a family, though, we have complementary skills. Everybody's got different things they know how to do. And I'm curious if you had to point to one person was it, you know, your dad that, that like, okay, this is, a, he, he blazed the trail and we're all going to kind of, you know, that goal that's out there to achieve, you know, whether you had your skill set 
expense and formal business training and Bob and your other, and then your children. I mean, is it all about complementary skills that y'all have that common, you know, goal of achieving? I'm just kind of curious because, you know, let's face it, families working together <laughs> don't well, always work very more, well together. Also complementary skills today when it comes to um, uh, the next generation running the Kim's Wilson companies. But when Bob and I were doing it, uh, well, we did have complementary skills, but we were able to do what we wanted to do. So Bob found his niche in uh, aviation and uh, we said, go for it. Kim had another niche uh, where he was working with uh, uh, managing uh, hotels and we said, go for it. And then my niche was to oversee it all, keep up with all the administrative accounting, legal stuff like that. and um, Probably from, um, I like to think it uh, a little bit of my dad passing on to me. I was always looking for businesses to buy, uh, not so much projects to do, but businesses. And so we we got into a lot of different businesses. Uh, we did injection molding plastics. Uh, we did um, uh, truck toolboxes. These things you see on the back of pickup trucks. Um, we um, trying to think of a couple of other things. I thought I made a note of some of them if I, I'll find it in my notes here. Um, we bought a, a defunct savings and loan. We didn't know anything about savings and loan business, but a young guy came to us and uh, kind of explained how it worked. And we said, oh, that sounds pretty good. The government fills up the negative net worth and our capital's on top of that and we can uh, make a go of it. And so we did that. We bought uh, three or four other savings and loans and we created an entity that we call Federal Savings Bank, which is about four or five savings and loans. And we ended up selling that to um, um, First Capital out of Arkansas. And before the ink was dry, they sold themselves to Regions Bank. So we, oh. picked, we picked up a lot of value in Regions Bank before... <laughs> It had its own troubles with Morgan Keegan and all that uh, sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, you know very entrepreneurial in that sense. I'd like to say that I had, uh, had played an important role in, uh, in doing that, working with Dad on some of those things, bringing ideas to him. Well, as you're looking at that, Spence, I mean, so you kind of answered one of the questions we had posed to you about yeah. what you've learned over the years as it relates to entrepreneurship. I think you've related that pretty doggone well. You know, and kind of look at this whole thing. Uh, who who do you would you say has helped you along the way in your business career? Because you yeah. had such an interesting. I mean, you're yeah. like part of business history for goodness sake. I mean, that, well, the biggest uh, individual was Herbert Ray. You know, who was an institution, Ray and Abby, and he went on to form SSM. Mm -hmm. uh, but he had become just a. Uh, a wonderful advisor to a lot of people. I'm not the only one, but uh, he seemed to take a special interest in uh, me and uh, and us. And so he was very helpful as I, uh, I dealt with issues uh, that Bob and Kim and I might have with dad or issues I might have with uh, Bob and Kim. Um, and he was a very helpful advisor as we got into the venture capital business that I mentioned that resulted in the uh, FedEx uh, ownership. He was not involved in uh, 
and the uh, Brown and Ferris activities. I didn't didn't know him at the time, um, but um, yeah, he's he was just a very special guy. It's interesting that you mentioned SSM, uh, Spence. I never told you this before because I never knew that connection with Mr. Ray, but um, SSM was an investor in a video conferencing company that I uh, represented early part of my career before I started my own business. Yeah. I used to have a guy there named Barum Ray that uh, was a real bright guy yeah, that, uh, that had, had helped me with that. Something I just want to digress real quick second. You mentioned early part of this uh this interview that uh, you had a year, I think you worked for Holiday Inns. I never told you this before, but I worked for Holiday Inns technically for a year. I was a mail clerk for United Inns. It was your largest franchise holder and Dr. Cockcroft. So uh, boy, those are some fun days. I'll never forget being in college and working for this big company. And oh my goodness, I had the office in uh, Clark Tower, big tallest building in Memphis or whatever. And I thought I was on Wall Street. I tell you what, that was the most fun you know, 19 year old kid. It, w- it was a lot yeah. of, a lot well, of fun. Say, so. uh, I should say uh, that I, and Bob, you know, see, I'm not sure Bob and Jim did what I did, but I, I went to, uh, uh, I went to innkeeper school uh, to learn to be a general manager and do the night audit. And I uh, went, these are in the summer, summer jobs. And so I did the night audit at the Holiday Inn Midtown right there across the Methodist Hospital. It's not there anymore. Um, went on to uh, work in the franchise sales department one summer. Worked closely with uh, George Falls and uh, with uh, Jeff Pan and Frank Floyd uh, during that period of time. And then um, there was one other activity I had there. So those were summer activities, but nothing like the full-time activity. <laughs> Well, well, Spence, as we wrap this up, so uh, I know you've changed roles, as you mentioned earlier, a part of the interview. What's on the horizon for you? I mean, what what's your focus now and how is how is this all wrapping around your children, uh, maybe your grandchildren? Because I know you have 11 grandchildren. I, I saw that no, in a note. 12, actually. No. 12. OK, I've got one, Spence, just for the record. Brand new. I'm a brand new grandfather. But uh, so what's yeah, on the I- horizon for you, though? What? What, what, what are you looking at to do the next few years? Sure. Well, uh, 79, and I'm still working <laughs> full time. But wow. some of that, some of that, all of the uh, ownership, leaderships, and governance has been turned over to three of my children, uh, three of the four children at the Kimmels Wilson companies. We, we started a plan to do that a few years ago, and it's all, uh, it's all, in place now, and uh, and then Kim uh, turned that responsibility over to two of his sons, so two first cousins. Well, five first cousins are all working together, and they have complementary skill sets. A lot of, and a lot of that is, uh, uh, is not not the skill sets, but a lot of that the relationship was sealed by all these uh, Sunday night dinners that were held at my mother and dad's home while that generation three was growing up. I mean, we all look back at that and that's where they formed their long relationships and tolerance for one another and ability to uh, find compromises and things like that. So very, very happy for that. My, the one daughter that's not involved has the uh, Sweet Lala's Bakery um, 
here in Memphis over in the shopping center uh, where Hukal is located and just doing really, really well with that. She's a, she's a entrepreneur in her own right and a, a social service kind of a background, worked for youth villages for uh, a long time, helping uh, take care of dysfunctional families. So that's her, that's her passion in life. And she ran our family foundation for um, 12 years. Uh, so she and I kind of got that formed uh, after mom and dad's death with all the guidelines, you know, giving structures and everything like that. And then she stepped away from that. Well, you just, uh, as I said earlier, I mean, the Wilson family is the epitome of running a successful family business. I mean, you hear stories all the time and gosh, you know, many of them just do not, you know, achieve what you guys have achieved. No, they don't. It's great. You have, it's, you have it's, to work it's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, uh, I think about all the time I have spent on family matters in addition to business matters. It's a lot and it takes effort. And I think they all understand that. I understood that. I think it's paid dividends. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but no, you, you, you special attention that. to uh, uh, to think about. That. Mm -hmm. So you said a lot of those relationships were built around a family dinner table at your parents' house. So mm -hmm. it, it makes me think about uh, my wife's a big uh, fan of Blue Bloods, and if you ever watch that show with Tom Selleck, it's it's, it's like they're all uh, in the law enforcement. He's a police commissioner, but they work out all the family issues right there at the, at the table, so it's really interesting. So I tell you what, Spence, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this uh, and close it out. And I, again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, I always thought a lot of you and your family, and you know that, and it's just, this is a particular per and a personal thrill for me to, to have this interview with you this morning. How about leaving us just with one piece of advice that you'd like to to offer uh, the notes in here say about your early self, but how about just how about young people out there that how about just the fact that they want to either either start their business or perhaps in your case start a business for perhaps with a family member, maybe they got a brother or sister. What would be your advice about let's say not not just going into business but maybe potentially going into business with a family member. How do you get that kind of thing off the ground? And how, how, how would you feel like is some ingredients for success? What are the tips? I, I don't know that I've got anything uh, that insightful, but <clears throat> clearly you have to agree on what you're going to try to do and agree as importantly on what you want each other to do and that you're going to support each other in that. I mean, you, if you don't get that foundational set you're going to end up with an issue there's going to be bickering and things like that so you, you gotta you gotta just figure out okay i'm saying i'm going to listen to you i promise and you're going to listen to me you promise and then we're not going to let we're not going to go to bed with grudges we're going to we're going to come together and we're going to talk it out so communications communications is absolutely critical jay i know that sounds so simple but i think a lot of people don't do it well, yeah. sometimes the best advice is just exactly that, pretty straightforward. So we took uh, some real gut uh, body blows and the timeshare business had to shut down all 28 resorts in COVID. We're bringing them back. Good progress. So I spent a lot of time working on that. Hmm. In addition, I've got a couple of private investments that I do I'm interested in. They're just me. Uh, but one I'll just mention, and hopefully we'll hear a lot more about it in uh, time to come, is a... Uh, 
is a medicine to treat chronic traumatic brain injuries. So if you've had a insult, a fall or IED explosion, whatever, um, and you're two years post the incident and you're still not really functional, your family says it, you know, you know something about it, your life's not backward is. This drug is having absolutely a positive effect on getting people back to where they are. Wow. So we've got a hundred man years of uh, testing. We've got to do FDA trials, but all the indicators are safe to take. It's very successful on those who have uh, been taking it. So very excited about that. Doing that with a uh, former Harvard classmate uh, from wow. a few years ago. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, you're just spent, you're not spent a fair amount of time on that. You know, in addition to all the other stuff I'm doing. Um, that is fantastic, and I know you do a lot of giving back to the community. I had a note about, uh, and I drove past uh, the hospital, the uh, the children's hospital that you and yeah, uh, yeah. your wife Becky have uh, uh, graciously uh, donated and, and and set up there. And it's just it's yeah. wonderful well, to give back. We're pleased uh, that it seems to be making a difference. So we get some. Patient feedback from time to time that uh, warms our hearts. And so I know Baptist is doing a good job. So we're glad to support him. And Jay, I'll comment on this. Uh, uh, you know, my dad always loved a salesman. And that's what he, that's one of the reasons I think he really liked you. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate and, and that. And you also know he may not have treated you this way, but he'd get, he'd get calls from everybody. But hey, I got this idea. I want to come see you. Dad would say, fine, come on. But I don't make appointments. <laughs> you come and if you'll, as long as you're in my lobby at the end of the day, I will see you. But you're, you're going to have to do it on my, my time. So I don't know if <laughs> did that with you or not. But that well, was I, I other, appreciate that. The other takeaway that I'd, I'd want the listeners to know I think one of the things that made him very successful. Um, is that he had a mantra that I came up with called Ready, Fire, Aim. We're going to figure it out all the way, but we're going to get started. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say that's some pretty good advice to some buddy entrepreneurs. Don't, Absolutely. That don't, is try to, don't try to figure it out. You need a business plan, but don't try to figure it all out because it's just not possible. <laughs> that's some great advice. You know, your dad was a great man and you are too, Spence. And Thank you so much for this morning. I, it really means a lot. It's special and uh, uh, best of luck. You're, you don't sound like you're letting any grass grow under your feet. So uh, you got no, so many I'm things not. going and on. Twelve grandchildren, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. Uh, I've got one, so we're going. We're going to uh, keep uh, moving forward with her and everything. So, Spence, once again, thank you uh, so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate your invitation to join. You. Thank Bye -bye. you again. To learn more about Jay Myers or his podcast guests, visit www.jmyersceo.com.